Pre-show. Pre-show, pre-show, pre-show. <laughs> I don't know that it's live yet. It's it's not. I got a notification saying that it is, but I'm looking at it right now and it's not. Alright. Cool. My computer's not even going into the No, are we covering stuff we last time previously or Oh we are live right now, everyone. Uh this is pre-show, just so everyone knows. Yes, we are covering extra added content just like George Lucas added in content throughout the years. <laughs> this is special. We're going edition. to be adding Well, this will this will be just as disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. If Adam shoots true. first, though, then. Oh, man. I already shot. As soon as the audio synced up, I shot. Yeah, yeah. Nice. My laser beams. Um, Cameron, I don't actually have the uh, the framed version that you sent. Okay. It's not, it's not in my system. So I'm just going to use the, the version oh, that I oh, have. So for <laughs> anyone that may be tuning in at any point ever and seeing this uh, little pre-show. I just want to show you, this is what Cameron did. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Pretty badass, man. That's our yes, princess. Sir. Yes, sir. She's pretty. One thing I did notice about her, <clears throat> the older she got, and it must have been the work that she did to herself, was that her lips got a little more, like, pursed. Like, yeah. like she was puckering. Well, even the way she talked changed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, it seems like dental work. Probably that's what yeah. to do with that, which probably came from the drugs. So, mm. <laughs> drugs will do Adrian, that. it's good to see you. Thanks for joining us in the chat room. Uh, She's sorry always about all princess the, uh, to me. Hello, blue. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, we're gonna do like a proper memoriam. I don't know. We're gonna talk about her during the the actual show again. This is pre-show, but um, like growing up, that she was like everything. You yeah, know? like. For me as a little kid, like she was my first, like I dug her type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah like puberty, puberty hit in the movie theater, I think. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What happened to me? Yeah, I heard people complaining that wet dreams happened when you were sleeping, hence the name. But no, it was Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my saber first ignited during Return of the Jedi. <laughs> 1983. Oh. Yeah. I still had a few years, but but it happened. It happened. Congratulations, man. It happens to us all. Uh, let me just say, Elizabeth, thank you so much for watching. Every show, you're on every damn show. Thank you so much for taking the time and tuning in. I really appreciate it. And Robert, it's really good to see you, my man. Um, again, this is pre-show, so uh, we're just going to be doing a lot of, like, Tom Selleck eyebrow movements and getting Practicing. our hot pants on, like Magnum P.I. era. Yeah. You guys... You okay. guys wore the hot pants, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not wearing pants. Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> Don't look. Don't look in the eye. I'll take these yeah. pants off, damn it. Pantsless <gasps> uh, party pre-show? <laughs> Pantsless party pre-show, yeah. Uh, so, like, 15 minutes, we'll start the show proper, everyone. But if you have any comments or questions, or if you want to see Cameron's junk, he's shown me many times. And it looks like he's going to show him right now. If you see glint, it's just <laughs> light reflecting shiny. off of all the piercings. <laughs> How many piercings do you have on just in your junk-ish region? Uh, 17? <laughs> 17? Right? Yeah, yeah, 17. You just hate your dick or what? 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. All right. That's well, it's great because if I'm walking around in gym shorts, like no underwear, middle of the Jingle. night, sounds like, yeah, sounds like I got a pocket full of change. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Dorian, any yeah. piercings down there? No, <laughs> I like my dick. It works great. <laughs> it's still young and vivacious. The balls are getting old, but the dick is still young and ready to roll. So <laughs> that is weird, right? I do think that I do think the balls age faster than junk. They do. Like, yeah. They yeah. Pain. It's a weird thing. You know, you know, uh, they're old when you accidentally sit on them and you're getting on the toilet. Then, then you know you've gotten old. <laughs> we're we're taking a wrong turn in this conversation here. <laughs> Robert, I think he may, he may jack off with <laughs> pair of pliers. Actually, I don't even know why I'm writing back in this. I can say it right now, and yeah, tin snips. Why? Yeah, why are you typing? That's so weird. I don't fucking no. Hi, people that are watching me live. I'm responding to you. Click, click, click. I'm talking. I'm typing. Stop bugging me. Click, click, click. Um, that is something that I have noticed, though. Like, as I've gotten older, I've noticed a significant uh, saggage. It's a weird thing. I never thought about it, ever, until I noticed it. It was like yeah. looking at, like, an old man's picture. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I do that. I don't know. But, no, it was like, you know, toweling off. You're like, who? What the fuck? You know, it's like a weird realization. Yeah. Have you guys had that? <laughs> nah. You know. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, all right? It's in the mail, I swear. It's in the mail. <laughs> and Robert sat on your balls once. <laughs> Mosley sat on my balls once, too, yeah. Because he couldn't sit still when I was tattooing him, damn it. <laughs> that's a weird like hike to get over to the the tattoos oh, yeah, yeah. there i wasn't that's wearing so pants when i tattooed him it's my my fault so fair enough <laughs> it's totally your fault. hi frank if my teeth are particularly purple it's the wine's fault sorry i didn't want to wait this is a late show and yeah. in order to get through life i have to drink so you know. yeah i figured i'd start off easy with beer instead of gin it's easier that way less crying involved um, you so you guys want to know what I did today? Oh, no. Uh, I'm drinking it. Good, good Irish stuff. Stouts. Oh, shit. Scottish. Scottish v. Irish stouts in the his house. God damn. I feel yeah. fucking dainty with my pinky out. It's cute, though. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he teabagged me. <laughs> that, that is, that is uh, impressive tattooing if he teabagged you while he tattooed you. Dory, yeah, I got I, I, Well, I had him that. lay down, and then I kind of went over, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it works. <laughs> so yeah, just, but you could have wore pants. Yeah, Robert, we should we should probably have you on sometime. Talk about your uh, being teabagged by. <laughs> Dorian. Hey, special guests. Nine, nine cents special on uh, teabag, <laughs> teabag tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> so much I should get my wife to come in here. I've teabagged her numerous times while tattooing her just to be a dick. Wow. I have this game. Well, wait a second. You've tattooed me. How come you didn't teabag me? 
I mean, I don't well, I, want you to, but it's I'm small. You, can't, you couldn't feel it when it's rubbing up on your hand. It's like I had your arm was, like this. It was like your hand was all right over. My balls were just kind of. Wow. That's fucked up. All right. I thought yeah. you knew. Awesome. I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought I knew. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, hey, uh, LMBT14579. What's up with you? Um, that wrong. <laughs> the reasons that went wrong. That would be an interesting show, Robert. Um, I would have nothing to say. I've never, ever been involved in a threesome. Dorian, you? Um, no. 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 <laughs> no. Uh, Cameron? My wife's watching. <laughs> I mean, it's not without trying, but you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. If we're counting trying I've, every weekend. <laughs> If we're going to try it. So, yeah, no, never. I've never really been interested, to be quite honest. Like, I'm I'm super selfish, and I only want to give it out as until, like, you know, I can get her off. I don't want to put extra work in. Like, that's, that's, that's the best part, though, is that you can do your thing, and then they can entertain each other. You can kind of just you can watch, you can watch TV, and whatever, you know. <laughs> But then you guys are like, damn it, I, I feel like I should be involved. <laughs> you got like, the game, I'm done. and you got the game. Yeah, hey, that's nice. I do plenty of sex rituals. But by myself, usually. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's actually snuff films of Cameron's solo sex rituals. Um, it's Mainly, they just make you sad, but they're there. Yeah. It's like it's like a real penis, only smaller. <laughs> it's like somebody handling change for you know, ten minutes. <laughs> well, if you ask Adam, my dick's weird because it's got a tan. It, well, okay, wait a second. <laughs> who? This discussion. Wait, 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 I, okay, because... so why does Adam know so much about it? Is what I want to know. No, uh, you know what? Uh, I don't want to know. Well, you know what? Let's talk Star Wars because I don't want to know what the man fuck you guys are. Actually, no, it was my dining room. Wait, no. no. No, that comment was man camp. You're right. You're right. It was. It was with all of us having a bottle of mead in our hand after <laughs> sitting around while they getting drunk. Kinda, I'm kind of glad that I didn't make it now. Because I don't you know. You need happened. to come to a man camp. They are not as gay as they sound, I swear. <laughs> I mean, there's very minimal dick sucking. Other than that, not gay at all. All right. Well, sure. Huh? Like I said, you, you come out. I got a, I got a place for you to get spot. Sounds yeah. cool. Right on. I man. would love to pay you to tattoo me. I, I like genuinely. I would, I would love that. I would love to come out, man. We'll, we'll definitely make it happen. Things are getting better for me now. So, oh yeah. Florida's been How's good. Going to me? an earthly evil. Thanks for stopping in the show, man. Good to see you again. Uh, we are about ten minutes ish away from turning the live show. Um, where we actually do have content and stuff to genuinely talk about. So this is just pre-show. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought this was talking and good content. Good quality content. First of all, his junk is super tan. And I'm going to go off on a racist limb and say it's because of his ethnicity. <laughs> is that, that's not racist, right? That's just... If you called me... Well, I don't know it's what just we factual. I mean, you know... Finish that. Like my junk is like white. Like I am white, so my junk is white. Your right. junk has like a Hawaiian tan. 
Like you have gone out and like oiled it. Like what's that old dude's name that does like the thin mint commercial that he's like known for being super tall. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Uh, we're going to think about that, but that's what your balls look like him. <laughs> People will laugh once we figure out his name. What is his uh, name? He also did a KFC commercial too. Not too long ago. Um, Robert, if you haven't seen the new Star Wars, and if you haven't seen it since 1983, you're probably not going to care. This is a spoiler, but we are going to spoil it for you. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to like second. this show at all. <laughs> the, I've, this has been fucked up. I've, I had a people sending me messages about the the live show that we did last time about the same live show. This is the redo of it, um, and they were like, "This is terrible. What are you doing? <laughs> Who are you? Like, why are you putting out this horrible?" Uh, just you mean like the problems we were having, or like the tech, we're talking yeah. about Star Wars? <laughs> no, the Star Wars was spot on, but the, okay. the technical <laughs> side of it was a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I was shamed into redoing it. <laughs> this this is a shame episode. This is the walk of shame. Gotcha. <laughs> mm. That's that's fine. Uh, you don't need to see the the prequels. Yeah, I don't I don't blame Robert at all for that. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> Spark up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bad. No, I say my favorite part of Rogue One was the people that I convinced Jar Jar was in it. I had five that people calling and yelling at me. That was fucking fucked up. Now, how many times have you seen it now? Well, I've only seen it four times. I wanted to go see it again today, but I figured <laughs> my wife and my sister don't want to see it again, so whatever. Okay. My son went on a date, his okay. second date with this girl. To go see it. And she chose it. So I think so, I just might start bells. dating her. I'm going to make them break up and I'm going to start dating her. Is okay. my, I mean, I'm going to wait until she's legal. Of course. I'm not a monster. Did you teach him but, the, the trick with the popcorn bucket? No. <laughs> okay. No, but for the sake of the audience and me, because shamefully, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what is that? Uh, it's when you uh, hold it for her so that she can enjoy the movie. I don't know how old this person is. I should watch it. <laughs> no, I dug the show so much, uh, Robert, that we're actually doing a nine cent show that I quit a year ago to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much I liked it. How fucked up is that? Uh, I am looking, to be fair, gentlemen, I am really looking forward to whatever iteration we do next. Like, I, I'm, it's going to be fun. Super cash. Super nerdy. Super fucking nerds. Yeah, super live. Live. I have a feeling every live. show we're going to grow our cherries back. Yeah. Our balls are going to like shrink up into our bodies <laughs> and then redrop <laughs> after. There's a lot of, lot of nerdliness uh, in the movies happening this coming year, man. Mm hmm. 2017's got some Justice League. It's got some Star Wars. Got I'm really looking forward to Logan. Wonder Woman. Like Wonder honest. Woman, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. All kinds of cool yeah. shit. I think aside That's from Star Wars, definitely Guardians. I'm really looking forward to that one. Do you guys think they're going to say who Ray's parents are in this next Star Wars? If they, they do. Say that, they're going to say who, who what now? Ray's parents are. Do you think they're oh. gonna uh, like announce? I don't see why not because that would be part uh, 
formula, you know, and Luke Luke found out about Victor being his father in the second one, so mm. good chance. Maybe right at the end, of course, you know. <laughs> I'm hoping that'd be the best way to do it. I'm actually really stoked about Blade Runner, Adrian. Yes, Blade Runner. Right. Hell yeah. Dude. That's like, because they're cool. getting Harrison Ford back in it, so. <laughs> getting Robert. Now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, I played There's in a metal band there. for years, too, So, and I'm a tattoo artist, so I mean, I totally double balanced it out. I can like Star Wars. Fuck all y'all if you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do cool things, like. <laughs> You got seventeen piercings in your dick. To be fair, it's not all in my wiener. Not Uh, all. I don't want the details, man. Not all. I'll send you a picture later. Don't worry. You totally should. He (laughs) deserves to see. Fuck that! I should do it right now. (laughs) He deserves to know. Just don't put it on YouTube because then we'll get banned. (laughs) No dick piercings on YouTube. Fair enough. Even if the good folks want to see it. You kind of want to see it. It's interesting. I mean, to be fair, it is. It's, it's weird. But it's Do you like um, All right. Should we just start the show? We're like five minutes out. Fuck it. Or are you? Oh, oh before we start the, the show, with me. Let me uh, let me say to you, uh, Cameron. I ended up going snowshoeing today, and it was badass. Yeah. But it would have been more badass if you and Joe would have got off your fucking asses and joined me. Because I took my nephew and his wife, like, rolled her ankle. And so we were in the middle of the fucking mountain with a broke-ass ankle. And, like, snow is actively coming down. And I'm just like, fuck, man, where's the bear? Like, there should just be, like, a bear right now. I Because we had to leave. Like, leave early because of a rolled-ass ankle. Shit. Nice. Wouldn't have happened if you were there. No, it probably would have happened, but we would have carried her back. <laughs> it would have happened to you. Yeah. Fuck. All right, let's start the show, gentlemen. Do it. <clears throat> oh, yeah, so everyone watching, we're starting the show now, and that means you're going to see this. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. This is a redo episode of the original 19 December LIAS episode, and joining me as per that episode, and as always on these Star Wars and Satanism episodes, Dorian Gray and Cameron. John, how are you, gentlemen? What's happening, man? Not much. We do good. Just doing the show. Force is with us. I am with the force. Force and stuff. 
All right, so let me address the last episode quickly, if I may. Uh, for the sake of the audience, I do apologize. It was riddled with problems from the start. I didn't take the proper time to correct the audio video sync issues ahead of time, and I released a subpar product. It has bothered me since, and you let me know. And I appreciate you holding my feet to the fire, and I appreciate your willingness to go on this ride once again. And because you're willing to go on this ride again, we're gonna give you a little extra content for doing so. Um, you know, we always try to make the best of circumstances, and because we are gonna be covering ground that we already covered before, we're gonna give you a little added bonus, a little extra something-something, if you know what I mean, and hopefully we're gonna be teasing our future project together a little bit longer, a little bit more, a little bit more in depth than we did last time. It's not available, so this is the only one version of this episode you're gonna have, so uh, welcome. Oh, <laughs> All right. To be fair, transparency, the only reason Adam didn't release that last episode was because we kept shitting on him. Let's let's be fair. That's really what it was. I have feelings. I'm a human being, and I don't appreciate your shit. And gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, right? It's uh, true, right? right? <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, <laughs> if we can, <laughs> I, I want to start with we lost a very. Uh, Powerful actress, and um, we're going to start there. Uh, I want to give everyone a very wonderful glimpse of Cameron's artwork here, if I may. I cried. Uh, from yeah. the Force Awakens, and this is General Leia. She sort of forsook her princess title. I, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Why, why was she so averse to being called princess? Is it because of Han? I think it's because <laughs> of everything she lost. Oh. Yeah, I think... And... and, and of uh, um, you know the war that was at hand, I think probably it was a, a good reason for her to say, you know, we don't need a princess right now. We need a general. You know, job to be done, sort of thing. And and that um, honestly, like you know, Leia is kind of one of those one of those few like really feminist characters, yet very you know she's got her feminine side <laughs> you know like kind of embraces both and and uh she was very much a you know let's stop fucking around and get to work kind of character mm -hmm. so so that makes yeah. perfect sense really for her to, to kind of take up that role i think well to me it's almost like um after the whole downfall of the empire i mean that was the final straw with alderaan being gone completely so it almost seemed like she was just getting rid of that title because there was no reason for that title anymore. It is weird because she grew up as a princess. Mm -hmm. She was treated as such. She was given authority as a diplomat, as the protector of, and we're going to cover this um, a little bit in the show, of the plans of the Death Star. Like she, Bail Organa, like straight up said, no, I trust her with my life as he's walking yeah. out. Like I'm going to go get my uh, foster daughter to take care of this um i like he had to trust her in combat because mm -hmm. she was knee deep in it at that point yeah so that does go to show like he and if you've watched the rebels cartoon series she's already been involved in you know the rebel alliances uh, missions prior to that as well so she she's been tested and she's much tougher than you would expect of course, up until the point that Luke <laughs> tries to reveal that he's there to save her, and she's like, 
you're awfully short. <laughs> like just yeah, quick yeah. with the wit and then just quick to take over the situation when she realizes that Han and Chewie have no fucking idea how to get her out of the Death Star. Yep, yep. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, okay, so let me let me cover a couple little notes here about Carrie Fisher's life as uh, the actress here. She was born October 21st, 56. She passed just recently, December 27, 2016. Of course, we all know her from Star Wars, but she was in a lot of movies. Uh, you know, short list here, just ones that I was interested in. The Blues Brothers, I thought she was brilliant in. When Harry Met Sally, I love that show. Um, she had written a book called Postcards from the Edge, semi-autographical. It was actually released. Um, she didn't star in it, but Meryl Streep, I believe, played her character. Uh, she wrote a novel and actually had a play going called Wishful Drinking. She was a stage actress. She was a comedian. She was an author. She was an actress, a film actress. Um, she was open about her bipolar disorder and drug addiction. Uh, her most recently released memoir was The Princess Diarist, where she spoke about her time filming the first Star Wars. Um, and this is sort of extracts from her diary of that time. This woman... Uh, was beautiful, brilliant, talented as hell. And what I loved most about her was that she wasn't afraid to be open and honest about the, the perceived deficiencies that she had as a human being, mental disorders, addiction. Uh, she was so open and honest about them. When you do that, and this is on my own tiny, tiny, tiny level, I'm not trying to put us in the same position here, but I know from doing this show, Nine Cents, for five years and all of the comments that I've gotten from the audience, when you're open and honest, you connect with people. And she did that on a scale far beyond anything I could ever dream of. But I respect and love her for that part of her. Yeah. Yes, I had like crazy, insane sexual fantasies about her from the Star Wars films as a kid. Had? To, to had. Last night last night okay but uh <laughs> i like i completely respect her as a human being because she does everything that i hope to do and that is uh bring in an audience and connect with them on an individual level and not hide anything from them you know just just be open and honest not many people can do that um how about you dorian what, what do you think of uh, her passing uh you know i mean there's a there's such a huge part of my childhood wrapped up in um in star wars you know and obviously i mean you know yeah i was a fan of other things she did you know i you know loved blues brothers as well but you know princess leia i mean that was that was just star wars in general it's just a huge thing i've got a tattooed on me you know i mean it's a it's an important part of my life it kind of it was the fuel for my creativity um, so to lose a part of that, it, you know, even though, yeah, I mean, we're all gonna, we're all gonna go at some point, but when you lose someone that is that iconic to you, um, that's, that's, yeah, it's a different situation, you know, and, and, and she was iconic in many ways, not only as just a strong character, you know, she was a princess, but she never was the kind of person that, you know, needed to necessarily be saved. She was in the movie, but she really ended up, you know, kind of taking control once she was. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's a great character. Like, you know, who, you know, for men who like strong women, she's a, she was a great character. She's a great representative uh, for women. And then, you know, 
of course, the sexual side. There's nothing on this planet more iconic, except for maybe the French maid costume, than the slave Leia costume. You know? So, uh, I mean, she was iconic in so many ways um, that it's a, it's a, it definitely it's a loss. It's a tragic loss. And and not only that, but seeing her come back as an older woman who has still got that strength of character. Um, in uh, the older Leia, you know, like she doesn't have to have a bikini on for you to admire her, <laughs> you know. So it was a uh, sad, definitely sad. I I'm, look forward to seeing her in episode eight, definitely. That's going to be a rough one. Yeah, yeah Cameron, you want to speak to that? I mean, did have you heard whether she finished filming that or not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had already finished that. Um, like all her filming was done on eight, so... We at least get her in one last role, hmm. like complete. So that's good, at least. But so, it was, what was it like for you when you heard about it? Pretty fucked up, actually. Um, I was tattooing one of my buddies, um, and I was starting a Star Wars sleeve on him. <laughs> so we're sitting there talking yeah. about, "Holy shit, dude! This weekend, man, fucking crazy." You know, well, at least you know, last time checked, it was stable and blah blah blah, and. Like, as I'm throwing on some of the stencils, he just looks at me. He's like, dude, she's gone. What the fuck are you talking about? He's like, Kara Fisher just passed away. And we just kind of sat there for a good 15 minutes like, fuck. You know, <laughs> it, interesting that you said because I actually had kind of a similar instance. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, I was tattooing a girl. I was doing a, a work on this Harry Potter half sleeve, and we always... Anytime I work on it, we argue. She says Harry Potter's better. I say Star Wars is better. And so I'm, I'm tattooing her, this Harry Potter stuff on her, and she's like, um, Princess Leia died. And I go, no, she just she had a heart attack. She'll be okay. She's like, no, she, she's looking at her phone. No, she died. And I was just like kind of taken aback, you know, so sort of similar <laughs> way to find out, you know, be in the middle of work. and Yeah, yeah it's like you can't even do anything. The fuck up thing is for me. <laughs> That was the very beginning of my day. That was like 20 minutes into work. So the rest of the day, I was just like, God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a fuck. I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic and I'm a masochist when it comes to this type of shit because I had the day off. And so I started watching Star Wars 4, 5, and 6. And I started watching YouTube memorial videos like I just like put all of myself into this moment and it's weird because one you don't know these people individually you mm -hmm. literally only know them through the connection that they've made in your own life through you experiencing their 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 trade really is what it comes yeah. down to yeah. um so everything that you feel as a connection to them is literally just your own life experience reflected back at you yeah. um and you know, I, I, it doesn't make it less real is what's interesting about it. it. It almost makes it more real because you're not bogged down by their experience parroted. It's mm -hmm. just, it's how you, and, but there's also like the side of it that's like, well, am I just being a fucking retard? Like, I don't know this person. They don't know me. They had no bearing on my life except that they kind of did. And yeah. I shouldn't feel anything about it, but I kind of do feel a little bit about it. And, Whenever you lose anyone, whether it's a close friend, a parent, or uh, someone that you admired, whether they're a musician or actor or etc., 
you're going to have these moments of disbelief, the, the, the series, uh, uh, the stages of grief, no matter how close they are to you. And it's just a weird human condition that we mm -hmm. have that we go through those stages, no matter whether you personally knew them or not. It's really weird. And, and I would almost say, though it's probably a little bit, you know, like masturbation, maybe you know a little bit more because you don't personally know them. You're mm -hmm. feeling it a little bit more because now your childhood is dying. Now all mm -hmm. those moments that you grew up with that maybe even didn't really happen the way you remembered them happening, but that memory is so thriving and powerful. Sure. Now that's dying a little bit. Yeah. We don't have that negatives, any any of the negative yeah. side that somebody close to her experienced, you know, we, we only have the positive side. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's, it's always crazy too with uh, like a character like that. Because, I mean, especially if you're a loser that reads a lot. I mean, I've got bookcases full of shit that almost every single one of those books she is in. So it's yeah. like yeah. I've known her for so goddamn long because I've gone on so many adventures with her, even though that's the character, not even her yeah. playing the character. So it's it's really surreal. Yeah. yeah. And it is weird, especially with someone like her, because she she didn't just live in that universe like she was so far beyond it and if you've seen her plays if you've like read her books like she is a fully fledged human being outside of this princess leia character that she you know was a part of and and it's so interesting being able to experience the dynamic of human existence outside of the one uh, realm that you knew them so it would be like if i died yesterday and you guys you knew me on a personal level, but you also knew me on this sort of mediums level. It, it's a completely different experience, you know? So, yeah. you know, we, we like to experience them on the big screen, but they're so much more dynamic, so much more real. I don't know. Whenever anyone dies, you're always forced to rationalize your own humanity or, mm -hmm. or the idea of humanity. And that is, in my opinion what is central to being a Satanist, because we are carnal creatures after all. We are bound by this reality of life, and we, we, we move with intention in order to make our mark on history so that we may live forever in the brains and sinews of those who loved and respected us, and uh, Carrie Fisher will definitely do that for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, she is definitely immortal now. Uh, Deuce, thank you so much for joining us, and you're absolutely right. We lost a ton of icons in 2016. I mean, just a shit ton of people. It was a pretty brutal year. Um, all right, so let's um, let's move a little to uh, Rogue One, if if you guys are okay. Did you want to hit yeah, anything yeah. else on on Carrie Fisher at all? Yeah, drop dead Fred. God, everybody keeps talking about all these fucking movies, and I have not seen one person. Bring up Drop Dead Fred. Or it's Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, yeah. Jay and oh, Silent yeah. Strike Back. It's the nun. Yeah, nun. Fuck yeah. The fucking nun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to pay for the ride, man. <laughs> I'd fucking pay for that ride. Yeah. I hope everyone has seen that to get that reference. Um, if you don't, go watch it as soon as this is over. Drop Dead Fred, honestly. Dude, what the fuck? You don't like Drop Dead Fred? No. I've never seen it, actually. So oh, my God. You're not Jenna, I hope you're not watching. 
Oh, man. All right, so I want everyone to know... Uh, Pascal, thanks for joining us, man. Good morning. Uh, I want everyone to know we are talking spoilers, and I didn't give a fair amount of warning beforehand, but it's been like three weeks now since the movie's been out, and if you haven't seen yeah. it yet, you shouldn't really care. General uh, thumb so, is two weeks. What's that? General thumb is two weeks. Yeah. After two yeah, weeks, so you're not an asshole. We're good. We are assholes, but we're good. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scumbag. <laughs> Jenna, no, it's um, all right, so here's our initial reaction. This is us out of the theater, and yes, Dorian looks stoned, but I think he maybe is just tired. Right? Yeah. Stoned or stoned. tired? I've never been stoned, so I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't believe you, but I'll accept it. <laughs> here's our initial reactions. Maybe? when you said everything was going well I, apparently my computer is not going to let me switch over so <laughs> if it switches over in the middle of us talking I'll try to get it back but it's probably not going to so let's reenact right. oh my gosh ah! <gasps> fuck <Yeah>. dude um, <laughs> no, I, I don't know you said I looked stunned so I don't know I tried. I'm, I'm bummed that it's not working but you know this the is fuck? So hilarious all right, people. Um, all right, so Dorian, what what were your initial reactions for watching that? If you can maybe relive them. Well, uh, my initial reaction was just that that everything was um, huge, like it should be, as far as the uh, the Star Wars galaxy goes. Everything was, for lack of a better term, epic. You know, it was it was just it was a massive scale and um, uh, a good pace, and uh, you know, I, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful movie. Um, everything about it was very satisfying. I think as an adult Star Wars fan, it was a satisfying movie. Very much so. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, what do you think? I was just shitting my pants the whole time. So <laughs> I, I was the idiot that watched it twice that night, like that Thursday night. I, because the first screening, I got maybe an hour, 20, hour 30 in. So the first video, it was just me sitting in my car, freezing my ass off. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Then the second one, I, I had calmed down a little. Not much, but I calmed down a little. And almost had to make it really uncomfortable for my friend because I wanted to jerk off when Vader busted. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty goddamn epic. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> pretty much. I it am was not ashamed. <laughs> I, I loved it you would do this too <laughs> I'll jerk you you jerk me up like it's not gay if it's in a movie it's not gay if it's debater <laughs> it's there, if there's no eye contact then it's not gay but it's okay to high five afterwards right <laughs> it's the only way with to the, make with the straight. other hand yeah. Yeah, if you want to be a square, I guess. I found, oh, it's my eyes! My eyes! <laughs> <laughs> You've derailed again. Yeah, sorry. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Stop um, talking about jerking off, damn it. God damn it. Always with Adam. He's always talking about jerking off. Fucking pervert. Yeah, it's just amazing movie. I mean, it just the scope of it was insane. Like, like what Dorian was saying, everything was just felt so much bigger. I mean, especially going from um, episode seven, I mean, Starkiller Base is fucking huge. Like, it, if I remember correctly, it's three times bigger than uh, Death Star 2 was, which that's pretty damn massive. 
but it still felt so small. But with this, I mean, you get the open landscapes, you get the dogfights and shit like on on the planet, and like you actually see everything going on. It's just it was impressive. Like there wasn't a part of the movie that disappointed me mm-hmm. that I can think of. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was blown away by the depth of the characters. And this is something that I've heard complaints about, actually, is that, you know, this sort of uh, core group of Rogue One players weren't fleshed out enough. But I thought they were fleshed out just enough okay. because th- the reality is, is this entire show was based around the opening uh, crawl for episode four. And so you couldn't really go into too much detail because you'd bogged on the bogged i'm sorry bogged down the ultimate point of this and that is how the death star plans got beamed onto uh, princess leia's ship right that's all that needs to be said and so they built this entire story around it um so if i can i okay. want to read the opening crawl really quick for people so we can put a little bit of perspective around what this show is about Uh, It's a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, Rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. So this entire show was wrapped around that idea of stealing those plans. One, becoming aware of them, and then two, acknowledging their existence, what the fuck to do about it. And what I really loved about this, um, how's it going, Unholier? What I loved about this is that there was disbelief in the Rebel Alliance. Like, they didn't they saw the, the, the enormity of, 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 of power that was in front of them, and they were moved to inaction. Mm. That was crazy. Like, So one of the biggest points of realization that this, this film made for me was that the Rebel Alliance was not this unified front uh, standing up against evil. It was that it was a complex beast. Um, of government, like its own mini form of government with multiple fractions of uh, uh, planets and groups and ideas about what this should be. It really made me think, and this is going to sound stupid for those of you who are not American, it really made me think of like the beginnings of the American Revolution because quite frankly, we are, we, even today, we were not a unified nation. And it was these little fractions that had to compromise heavily in order to have any agreement at all. That's why we kept slavery out of the Constitution. That's why there were so many horrible things that we've done as, as a nation. Because we had to appease everyone or else none of us could have stood up against the British Empire. Same way with the Rebel Alliance. There were so many fractions in this that were assassins that would murder without question without acknowledgement even yeah they, they just went along they just had to do whatever they could in order to bring light of the reality of or to attempt and topple this this empire uh, that, that rose up around them um pretty insane so that i think for me that was the biggest thing is the realization that one the the world that we had grown up watching the Star Wars universe was much more complex than yeah. we had ever thought about before. Yeah. And that excited me as an adult viewer. Yeah. A lot. 
So Absolutely. Definitely added a lot more depth to it. That's one of those things that you, watching the movies, you don't even consider that that's even a thing. Mm. And then there was actually even oh, there was even a, a part that I kind of wish that I added in, but it probably would have dragged the movie down the pace. But um, you know, in episode four, I mean, we hear about um, the emperor doing away with the senate. And that's something yeah. that we still have never actually seen, even though it would have happened about the same time as, as Rogue One is happening. So it I mean it had like literally like Rogue One ended and you could argue it was hours to a day between Rogue One and episode four. Yeah. Like it yeah. was like You can play them back to back, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Once, yeah. So it had to be like at that same moment, which means, and this is something that, see, I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't think about this. This is special content. This is added bonus <laughs> for people from the last episode. Special um, edition. Yeah. Have, <laughs> no! Uh, we have to throw that in every time. Some Ewoks blinking. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm losing my goddamn train of thought. Um, there was a moment when Grand Moff Tarkin had to tell the Emperor, this shit is real. This is live. Like, Director Krennic did it. Like, this this thing works, and it is amazing. And at that moment, Palpatine had to be like, done. Assemble the Senate. We need to talk. Like, yeah. this has to happen right now. Because there's only, like, a day that transpires once they find out that the, the plans are on Scarif, and then they beam them to yeah. Princess Leia. And that is when... You know, it's, you know, maybe like two days, three days later that the it's been announced that the sense dissolved, right? And and Vader is busy in pursuit of Leia, so, I mean, he's probably not the one who's dealing with the Senate. It's probably the Emperor directly, actually. Yeah. Well, he was Vader sort of a shadow it. figure anyways. Like, Palpatine was the yeah. kind of person that had to be in control of everything, like, at all times. Yep. I mean, part of the reason why he offed Plagueis when he did. Right, right. Yeah. You know, some. I, I mean, if we can digress quickly here, people. Um, same way you clear the Jedi Temple, yeah. Um, that had to be like... Uh, Alright, I'm sorry. Fucking unholy than that. You totally just derailed me. <laughs> fucking comments. God damn it. It was something that we, was never really addressed completely in the movies, how conniving Palpatine was. Um, and the, his construct, his idea of the Force, rather than it being this, or the dark side of the Force, to be fair, rather than it being this, like, this biological entity, this midichlorian count, you know, within all of us, he, he was under the, the firm assumption, the, the firm understanding that the dark side of the force came from the outer, like outside of their galaxy. And he sent, and this is canon, like he sent mm. missions of star destroyers into the further regions. He had bases, underground bases on Jakku that were sort of jumping off points to explore the outer regions of the galaxy. And so there's like these new theories that that's where Snoke was. Snoke was like the, the, uh, the personification of the dark side of the force that Palpatine was always trying to connect with. Kind of interesting. That, that would put like the first order as like the true agents of the dark side of the force rather than, you know, 
a created army under right, right. a Sith Lord. But it almost doesn't seem like they themselves acknowledge the Force, aside from, you know, Kylo Ren throwing a fit. Sort of like how Tarkin and everybody else on the bridge was with Vader, like, hey, you right. sorcerer, blah, blah, blah. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I totally fucking stepped outside this. Um, okay, so <laughs> back to fucking uh, the dissolve of the Senate. Yeah, so that, that had to be right around the exact same of the time amount, uh, point of time, which is really interesting. It would have been nice to see a little bit of reference to that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we didn't get any reference to uh, like the 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 Red Guards. You know the the. the protectorate of uh the emperor and darth vader when we saw darth vader's castle which is fucking amazing yeah. mm-hmm. and we saw um like his personal counselor i can't remember his name right now but he was one of the emperor's consulates that was there yeah. and announced krennic's arrival at the darth vader's castle when darth vader was in the bacta tank so i heard rumor that he might be snoke I think somebody. See, I, I heard that too, but I don't, I don't think yeah, it is. I think it's like pretty much announced that. I've kind of been ignoring all those. The, <laughs> right. Just one of the. the so now, is the the death troopers though? Are, are, is that kind of established as the director's kind of sort of his own version of the Crimson Guard? Like he's got the the death troopers. That was the interpretation I got. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much been my guess. It seems like some personal guard. Yeah. Um. All right. So we, we're we're sort of. Because me and my fault. <laughs> We're jumping all around here. And I'm looking so, at the um, uh, comments too. This, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are going to be going into how this uh, connects with Satanism for us individually. Uh, we want to get out our interpretations of Rogue One first, and, and that means covering the story. So there's a large cast to this show, and I kind of want to run down the main players here. So this movie was really framed around Jen Orso and she was played by Felicity Jones and she was the daughter of um, uh, Galen Orso, Mads Mikkelsen, Mikkelsen played him and he was instrumental in using <laughs> the kyber crystals in order to create the the power of the Death Star and what, what I always thought was really interesting that I learned after the fact is that his original use of the kyber crystal was sustainable energy like after the clone wars the empire you know as soon as the empire was formed there was a lot of outer planets that were decimated by war and so as a humanitarian effort uh urson urso i'm sorry galen urso actually wanted to use the energy from the kyber crystals which is sort of the physical manifestation of the force in order to create sustainable energy for these third world planets basically so that they could actually have sustained energy and be able to rebuild without the need of a central unified uh sort of socialist government that the empire would have to become if it really wanted to take care of its citizens of course it never really did um which was interesting because it was that is this sort of tony stark-esque arc reactor uh this kyber crystal uh power source that they ended up realizing could be used as a weapon, as, of course, we're human beings. We always do, even in our stories. And so uh, that's where director Krennic really, you know, in their academy days uh, in the Empire, decided to capitalize on this sort of invention, this, this form of the use of these kyber crystals. And so they had to find a massive deposit 
in order to mine them and then use them, you know, bring them together. So that's why um, that character was so integral to the plans is that it was his idea in order to harness energy through these crystals. Um, I already mentioned, but director Orso Krennic is the gentleman who decided to weaponize the crystals in the form of the Death Star. And it wasn't actually believed. You know, we saw that the plans had existed at uh, episode three in a fully formed sense um, at the very end. But it, it wasn't really believed that it would actually work. And that's led you to believe that because Imperial Governor Grandmarf Wilhuff Tarkin, played by Guy Henry, and then digitally uh, put in the actual original actor's face uh, in post. Peter Cushing. He came in. I'm sorry? Peter Cushing. Sorry, thank you. Peter Cushing. Um, his face. He actually stepped in to see if this even had legs at all as a form of a weapon. And the movie was about proving that it in fact did. And even just a fraction of it. And this is what I loved about the movie too, is that they, they, they made, went to great lengths to explain that this is just a small portion that we're going to show you the full power of this Death Star. And it decimated like multiple atom bombs, yeah. uh, whatever they, they attacked. Um, okay, so the, the main cast, Jen Orso, uh, Cassian Andor, who's sort of the assassin, spy, swashbuckler, pilot, uh, played by Diego Luna. His right-hand man, K2SO, played by Alan Tudyk, uh, Tudyk who is a, the comic relief of this film. He was brilliant. Mm -hmm. You have the Imperial defector, Bodhi Rook, who's played by Riz Ahmed. He was the one that took the message from uh, Galen Erso and brought it to Saw Gerrera, who was actually looking for Jyn Erso and the Rebellion, uh, about the flaw in the Death Star, and that you sort of set them on the path to find the plans for the Death Star. Then you have uh, these pair, Chirrut Imwe, played by Donnie Yen, and Baze Malbus, played by Jiang Wen, who are uh, members of uh, the, I'm sorry, I'm looking, the Guardian of the Wills, who sort of, it's like a force religion. They protected the Jedi Temple at the time, but there was nothing to protect at the point of the movie, and so they were just sort of hung around and bugged people, which I thought was <laughs> interesting. Um, and that was sort of the good guy team. And then, of course, you had director Orso Krennic, who was the one trying to weaponize this kyber crystal technology. You had uh, people coming back. Mon Mothma, paid by uh, Guinevere, I'm sorry, Guinevere O'Reilly from the prequels. You had Bail Organa, played by Jimmy Smith from the prequels. <clears throat> Imperial Governor Grand Moff Wilhelm Tarkin, who was amazing. So what did you guys think of the digital, re uh, digital recreation of his face? Uh, I mean, it was a real person. What do you think, Cameron? But it honestly took me a few seconds to realize that it wasn't him. Like, I, I was just blown away. Like, I... Uh, especially seeing it uh, the third time because uh, I went and saw it in IMAX so it was massive and being able to see you know the emotion in his reflection like you can see the face actually emoting like it just it blew me the hell away and even once I realized that it was just you know digitally mapped on the actor it, it still didn't take it away from me it still blows my mind like just amazing performance so what'd you think, Dorian? Was it strange? You knew he was dead, but yeah. you saw him on screen. And what was that like? Well, you know, they the first show him kind of from from behind. And at first, I thought maybe they would just kind of stick to just kind of just showing him, you know, like 
that behind view so that way you don't actually see his face. But when he turned around, um, I was excited. If both of the uh, digital cameos, uh, you know, I've seen people complain about it online and I don't know. I thought they were great, man. I mean, what all, what can you do? You know, like you can get somebody who's not him or you can bring him back from the dead. It's amazing, yeah. you know? So it's quite an accomplishment. And um, the voiceover for Tarkin was dead on. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, it you know, it was like it took me at one second to go, oh, that's CGI. And then, boom, I'm back in it. You know, that, you know, it didn't really miss a beat. So I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I mean, you watch shows like um, Jurassic Park. You know it's pure CGI, but it's a movie. You're going there to be entertained, so you have a fair amount of suspension of disbelief. I don't think that... <clears throat> what I like to do when I, when I watch movies is um, I'll judge it on whether I'm pulled out of the story. Yeah. I was never pulled out of the story. Dan, and I've so, seen people was, say that they were, but... Oh, really? I don't know. I, I I was kind of surprised by that, but yeah, you know, he was great. Um, the way that they, they used him and they, they didn't overdo it and they didn't put him in like bright sunlight or anything like that either. But you know, they, they did it well. And uh, I mean, Tarkin is such an integral character, you know, I mean, I, I knew at a young age that Tarkin was somebody to be admired because not yeah. too many people can tell Vader what to do, <laughs> you know? So uh, he was he's a great character to have to bring back, you know, so. Yeah, he, and you couldn't have done it without him. <clears throat> I mean, as far as the story goes, we've only seen him in control of the Death Star. And so you have to address that. Like, if, if you're bringing in the story with director Krennic, you can't just leave this guy out. Yep. You have to explain how he became in control. And, and through that story, you're realizing that the Empire, like the the... The organizational structure of the Empire is very deadly. Like, it is, like, cl claw and, and bite your way to the top type organization. Oh, yeah. It's very not, it's nothing like, oh, you built this, you deserve to be in control. Right. I'm going to give you it. No, no, no. It's, it's oh, yeah. Yeah, you it's did like, a really I'm great job. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be taking it from here. <clears throat> so they had to address it. And, yeah, I mean, they... One thing that I did, uh, I noted, noted when I first watched these is that, well, they could have just got lookalikes, but due to the, the, the minuscule amount of time between these two movies, you could have done lookalikes, but it would have broken that suspension mm -hmm. of disbelief more yeah. than the CGI did. Yep. And the oh, truth yeah, is, is if you Sith. didn't know who Leia was, and if you didn't know who Grand Moff Tarkin was, you wouldn't have thought twice about it. Yeah. just the fact that we did and that's why we did note um yeah i thought i, I the, the addition of him i thought was brilliant the way they did it was brilliant and they sampled as they did with a lot of the other um uh, dog fighting scenes they sampled his voice the fire when ready directly from episode four to sort of bridge that gap a little bit more too yeah um and they paid close attention to i was reading this uh, art director's note on how they did it but they played more attention to the movements of the face than they did the coloring because they wanted to make sure that that the reality of it the way he spoke was more important than how he looked right. which it's a small line but i thought it was a really <laughs> cool one that they they paid close attention to you know they tried to make it match as close as possible um 
So Mon Mothma didn't play a big role in this. One thing that I did thought, think was interesting, and, and if you've read any of the books, like the Aftermath books, um, you, you get a sense of her character. You know, she was very much trying to hold together this rebel alliance. And that means that she has to bridge this. I don't want to attack the Death Star. I don't want to fight the Empire anymore with the, I want to go off and be rebels and, and fight and, you know, do all the, the murdering that we can do in order for the greater good, whatever right. that means. Um, she was trying to hold those two fractions together so that there was this entity. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting that, you know, in the aftermath books, she was very much this idea of, I want to give power back to the people. I don't want to hold on to it. I don't want to retain it. This is what started the problem in the first place. We finally defeated the empire after uh, return of the Jedi. We need to let the systems control themselves. And what that meant was this really dangerous universal economy. Planets were decimated by the galactic empire. Entire populations were enslaved. And because there wasn't any central government to take care of those people, it gave rise to more rebellions upon the rebellion. And it allowed uh, the new order to really spring up from the ashes of the empire because there was so much dissatisfaction with the new republic because they weren't trying to control. They weren't trying to manage everything. And so there's this underlying understanding that yes, the empire was bad, but they kind of took care of people a lot better than the rebellion, or I'm sorry, the new Republic ever did or ever could. Um, so I always thought that was interesting. Uh, <clears throat> best intentions don't always come out in the end. And her character is a personification of that, which I always thought was really kind of cool. So mm -hmm. it was nice being able to see her in this movie trying to hold these two fractions together, um, fractions, ironic, uh, factions together, um, <laughs> trying to hold the rebellion just in spirit against itself because it really, really wanted to break apart. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, uh, Cameron, can you speak to us a little bit about Saw Gerrera? What, what was his character and what did he mean to the rebellion? Uh, he was... He was one of the faction leaders that just completely went rogue. Um, he felt that there wasn't enough being done. And at the point in the movie when we actually see him, he's been doing constant guerrilla war tactics against the uh, the mining on uh, Jeddah. So that's the point when they find him is when he's holed up and it's just right after he blew up a tank and captured some of the Kyber crystals. And he was actually becoming more or less an enemy of the rebellion, even though he felt he was the rebellion. Yeah. Well, what was his relationship to Jen Erso, the heroine of the movie? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, well, he rescued her essentially. Well, not essentially, he rescued her uh, when uh, director whatever showed up. Sorry, having a complete brain fart right now. <laughs> but when he showed up to grab Galen. Uh, she took off, she holed up, and he was there to take her and protect her and hide her. Um, so he actually trained her for years um, in the rebellion. And then as things started to get sketchy and people were starting to kind of figure out who she was, he dumped her on a planet to be on herself or on her own. Yeah. And then she wakes up in a prison cell and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting the way that 
they portrayed him because he was that gateway to realizing that the rebellion is very fractured yeah. at this point um, in the timeline. Um, I always thought that was really interesting. And, and the, the, the design of his character was very much like Darth Vader-like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like primitive, but, but Darth Vader-like. He had uh, android feet. He had a breathing respirator, which was very... I kind of felt bad for the guy because he was he was admittedly like even he did at the end of his scene but like he was at the end like he yeah, knew yeah. he was at the end he was just hanging on by uh, you know the the, the broken ass dust covered mechanics of his respirator um to life up until the point uh that uh Bodhi Rook you know sort of came into his uh, known life <clears throat> um I, uh, Dorian, can you talk a little bit about Jin's connection with um, the rebellion and her father? Like, like from her perspective, what was this whole thing like? Well, you know, she kind of she kind of talks about how the rebellion in general, I mean, is 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 broader nothing but pain in her life. You know, it's 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 loss of everything. I mean, even like her, even her disconnect with Saul was was because you know he he left her behind because he knew she was a a good soldier that he could leave and and uh, you know she just looks at everything involved. In this is just um, abandonment. You know, if you're if you're involved in this fight, then you're you're abandoning her. You know. Um, so, you know, I mean, granted, you know, obviously there's this, this desire to reconnect with her father, um, especially once he sees, you know, the message from him. But I, I think just in general, the rebellion just represents just pain for her because it's just, um, she doesn't see, you know, what, what good can come out of it and not even necessarily, you know, about the, um, Imperial army being, uh, something just destructive. It's just this war between the two. It's just what kind of ruins her life for her. So, mm. what it seems. It's interesting seeing the effects of a galactic war on an individual level. Yeah. You know, you think of it in mass numbers, you don't really think of it as how it impacts one individual. And even from Cassian's perspective, um, you know, he's been fighting since he was six, I think you said. Like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a lifelong battle for these people. And, and that's why I thought it was so weird that when they come back with the news that there's a flaw in the Death Star that her father intentionally put there, um, that no one would believe her. Like, no one, I mean, I understand there was no proof, but then no one would accept that there was even a chance of it. And that they universally agreed that the Rebellion would take no action against this. So they essentially, they're just going to disband and roll over for the Empire. That blew my mind. Like what kind of after well, years of fighting yeah. the empire, they're just yeah, like, but yeah, I mean, you have to understand like they they don't have any attachment like Jin does to her her father. Like they're they they don't have this guy as, as somebody who's been building uh, weapons of mass destruction for the imperial army. So there's no reason to suddenly go, oh, he he's actually a good. He's been a good guy all this time, you know. Like I I think. Uh, and I'm sure they've probably seen enough that uh, they, there's reason to be leery, at least. Yeah. I said, that was a little bit. Adrian, yeah, Whitaker makes that eye seem sexy. <laughs> it's fucked up. No. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I, I found it interesting that everyone was just like, no, we're not going to do it. And then there's that ragtag band of assassins and murderers that were just like, yeah, let's go. Well, they're the ones <laughs> who don't have game. to lose. The other ones, yeah. they're the ones that would have actually had to come out of as, uh, I'm a rebel. Yeah. Whereas See, people that's that are, an important point. Yeah. I don't know that people know that, is that we know them as members of the Rebel Alliance. The Empire doesn't. Yeah, that's, right. it's unknown to everybody. That's why there was such grief because it was even their own people i don't think uh some of those bodies i don't think their own people knew that they were a part of that organization so to be able to go back to your home planet like hey guess what guys you know those people that we're allegiance to eh, we're gonna go blow them the fuck up you cool <laughs> with that uh, I, mean, it's, I, I don't think I, i'm sure that's some of it is yeah, they're like i don't think we can do that to our people yeah. yeah, they're babies, but whatever. <laughs> babies. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I thought that was really kind of cool. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit of Vader if we can. Um, Dorian, was there ever a point for you that that you lost the, the power of Vader through the movies and the comics and the books and the cartoons and the years of, of knowing Vader? Did he ever lose the authority that he had at the beginning? Well, uh, not once he became Vader, no. I mean, you know, yeah, you got, you got you know, issues with whiny Anakin, you know, but that's that's a whole different thing. I think once he's Vader, especially once he's Vader in, uh, you know, his, his costume, his, his mask and his cape, and um, <clears throat> no, I, in fact, even, uh, I, I don't remember which book it is but there's one of the uh, EU books where it kind of talks about how he first is trying to get adapted to walking with the you know robotic limbs and trying to work inside the the costume and stuff and his struggles in it but um, it uh, that anger just kind of drives him and, and uh, um, so I don't I don't <laughs> I, I just you know I take it I just I just thought of it yeah episode three no, no! yeah yeah, yeah. That's that's the disappointment. <laughs> but time. this but this is um uh Rogue One has such a, a redemption for him. Um it, it's probably it's probably his most badass. You know, yeah. is seeing him uh, uh take out all those guys on the ship, you know, it's just amazing. No yeah, even even uh, even uh his uh his little pun is uh, yeah. I thought yeah. I thought it was cool. I know people are like, "Oh, Darth Vader's pun." I thought it was I thought it was perfect. You know, so. It was perfect. It, the first time I saw that, it it took me out of the movie. So it's like, yes, that's awesome. What the <laughs> fuck? Vader just made a pun. He doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> then of course, every other showing after that, I'm like, he, he, he made it. Well, he said that you, thing. You know, I kind of think that that would that would kind of feed into your dark side. Like you're so dark that as you're choking somebody, you joke about it. That's, that's yeah, more dark than just joking somebody like, cause you have to. So yeah. I kind of, kind of felt like I added to him a little bit, you know, and I don't know. Plus there's this, the idea alone that director Krennic comes to Vader, comes to his castle, his inner sanctum. This is yeah. his only private place in the world to explain um, don't choke on your aspirations was the pun, Adrian. To explain that the Death Star that was purported to be able to destroy planets was effective and it was real and that he created it. 
And so for Vader to look at a man who literally can destroy planets and just just fuck with him a little bit. I mean, oh, yeah. It's a power move. Like, and, and Vader always it feels like that. I mean, he says in episode four, he goes into the you know, don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. <laughs> you know, he uh, he totally believes. And if you look at you know a lot of the books, he totally believes that uh, force is more far more powerful than okay. if you if you master it than than just a laser. You know, so yeah. Regardless, I, of it was they, great. What do you what do you think of him in the back to tank? It was bad. When he was in, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, um, just uh, him needing any moment uh, to be free of that armor, uh, you know, because Vader's constantly trying to heal himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, whether it be through the back tank, whether it be through just in a meditation chamber, um, he he constantly uh, over all the movies is working on using channeling the dark side of the force to try and heal him his own body. So uh, it was cool to see him in there. One thing I, um, again, it was on StarWars.com, there's an interview um, with Doug Chang. That could be a racist interpretation of the name. I can't remember his actual name. Artists? Um, Yeah. Yeah. About the concept artist and how they were concepting Vader's castle and how they started with this idea of, well, you know, where would Vader's castle be? And there's a bunch of Ralph McCormick um, concept art of a form of Vader's castle. But what they looked at was the idea of it being a twisted tuning fork. And so like the shape of the, the castle itself would sort of uh, draw in the power of the dark side because there's just this twisted version of it, you know, becoming in tune with nature. Um, and they also spoke how it was built upon. So there was an existing Sith structure there before. And they teased the idea that there was like a Sith, like a uh, cave structure underneath the cave itself. Oh, I'm sorry, the, the castle itself that may be seen in uh, like upcoming shows or episodes. So I'm really, really excited about the idea of a Ray or a Kylo Ren coming to Vader's castle on Mustafar and exploring an ancient Sith cave yeah. that was underneath yeah. it. Like that, that fucking thrill, that shit excites me to know mm-hmm. it. Like, that's kind and of for the concept about like, uh, like, uh, the Darth Bane books is, uh, you know, his, his going into places like that and finding like a uh, hollow crowns and that are in booby traps and how to, how to get them out, you know? So yeah, I, I'd love to see more of that kind of thing. Yeah, the idea of ancient yeah. Sith technology. And that was something that, you know, there was this really weird dynamic between Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader is that Emperor Palpatine knew that if he ever took on an apprentice, he would have to teach him because all all masters have to teach their apprentices the ways of the Force. Mm -hmm. But he, like, went out of his way not to teach Vader because of Vader's immense strength, Mm -hmm. like, in every way, in spite of his handicaps, his physical uh, handicaps. And Vader took that as a challenge in order to sort of train himself and to become better as a swordsman and like learn the dark side of the force on his own terms and using his hate in ways that the emperor never even thought of through pain and through anguish in order to truly become a master. And it was this weird fear dynamic between the two of them that, that kept them going. Like Emperor knew the ways of the Sith and that ultimately Vader would have to kill him. That's just the rule of two. Yeah. But That's actually an interesting uh, 
spin too towards uh, what happens with uh, seven when um, uh, Kylo Ren, you know, uses that like you know he even is injured and he pounds on it to to get it to bleed more and just feeds on that pain. You know, to, he didn't have somebody to teach him, so he's using that uh, that pain and his anger to to fuel the dark side. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Vader's castle was smart. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So what did you think? I, I know we've spoken to it briefly, but, um, okay. So really quickly, Darth Vader was played by Spencer Wilding. He was the gentleman inside. Of course, uh, he, he didn't do the voice. Um, Princess Leia, she was played by, uh, Ingvild Diela. And she was then digitally, when she turned and her face was visible, was digitally replaced with um, uh, Carrie Fisher's face as a young woman. Um, what do you think they needed, uh, Cameron? Do you think they needed to add Princess Leia in there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the thing with this film is it, it had to end just right before the beginning of uh, episode four. You know, it's just. Mm -hmm. That was the only logical way to end this movie. And with her being such a big part of the intro, uh, the, she had to be in it. And I I was a little nervous that they weren't going to throw her in there. And then, of course, the first time I saw her, I, just, I lost my shit. I, I think I actually kind of scared the girl sitting next to me, who <laughs> I warned I was going to make noises. And I was probably going to be loud. <laughs> And she laughed. I was like, oh, me too. And then... Came a little? Went... went well... <laughs> it was pre-cum. Yeah, it wasn't the full load. It was just mostly. But yeah, I, I lost my shit. Oh, my God! And I thought she was going to fucking fly. Um, yeah, it was, it was absolutely necessary to see her. And I was real, real happy they put her in. I mean, it was weird the first time seeing her because... You know, obviously, she doesn't look that way anymore. Well, she doesn't look like anything anymore. But uh, after the first time seeing her, it's it's grown on me quite a bit. Yeah. It's yeah, just great being able to see that and just how well they did with it, too. So I, I wanted to talk a little about some of the locations and some of the themes. Um, we have hit our hour wall of live actual show. Are you guys okay for a little bit longer? Sure. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. I know it's much later for Dorian than it is for us, and so I just want to make sure. Um, there was there was a bunch of locations that were very different than we've experienced in Star Wars movies before. Everyone knows that there's sort of this trope of Star Wars planets that it is one ecosystem. Um, and so, like, Scarif, that was the um, final location of the movie where it, it really was just this sort of tropical paradise um but then you also have a very alien-esque um uh i can't remember the name of it for the life of me but it's where all of the um imperial facility was that all of the the engineers dwelt um, but it very much felt like Edu. aliens right Edu. Edu. yeah right that whole planet just it completely brought me back to aliens as a kid yeah, yeah um definitely but jetta jetta was this amazing desert planet much like you know tatooine or or um, um 
any of the other <laughs> desert planets that are escaping my brain right now. Um, but the city of Nijeda, I thought, was really fantastic. It, it reminded me of a throwback to these sort of Middle Eastern towns where you have a sort of mishmash of travelers, traders. Um, and you, you got, you know, a little bit of cameos that would appear in future movies. You got um, an introduction to a new uh, organizations of the force. So the the book um, that came out about sort of the art of Rogue One, um, and it spoke of uh, the Guardians of the Wills, which of course uh, those two gentlemen, um, Chirrut and Baze, were, or Baze, were members of, uh, and they were sort of the protectors of the Temple of the Kyber. But you also had, and it didn't speak about this in the movie, but if you look at like the supplemental material, uh, like the art of books, the Disciples of the Wills, which are these sort of pardon me, red-robed figures. And then there was the Brotherhood of the Beatific Countenance, Beatific Countenance. And then there was the Clan of the Toriboda. These were all organizations that were built around the concept of a religion of the Force, though they interpreted it very different ways. So, for example, uh, the Clan of the Toribida was, they were like these seekers of the first light, that there's this, this first spark of life in the universe, and they were always in search of that. There was the central istopter, istopter, which was a death-worshipping cult that was seen there, and they were sort of these like, uh, like massive mechanical-looking helms or helmets or something that you only get a brief glimpse of in the movie. But they built this entire fiction around um, during the making of the movie. But all in all, it broke this idea of the force that we were force-fed. So the, we were always introduced into the force. Well, this is this is uh, life. This is there's a light side and a dark side, and there's paths to the dark side. You know that are uh, basic human nature, and then there's sort of the fighting against that basic nature, which is the path of the light side. And then it was a little compounded in the prequels, where it said, "No, these were midi chlorians. These were." like bacteria basically mm -hmm. and if you had more of them you were more sensitive to the force and so it sort of shifted the way we viewed the force and then this movie comes out and though even though some of the cartoons in the clone wars and the rebels uh cartoons explored ideas and cultures and even in the eu comics um explored ideas of the force in different ways now it's canon again so this concept of the force is dramatically different so um Jyn Erso's mom was very much a you know a follower of the religion of the idea of the force um uh, cheer it the whole time i'm the force the force with me i'm the force, you know he very much believed in the force and you can't argue that the way that they set the film up that he was impacted by and maybe mm. even protected by in his final scenes up until the final, maybe, <laughs> by the Force. So did the concept of the Force change for you guys at all in watching or maybe the second or third viewing of this film? For me, not really. But again, that really all comes down to the books uh, because there's, it's not just light, gray, and dark. Like, there's a whole spectrum. So for me, it really didn't change anything. Yeah. <laughs> Dora, anything for you? I, I didn't really think so. I mean, you know, it was not really a movie that focused on on the mm -hmm. force, so I I didn't expect it. You know, it was more of a um, more 
military based. Obviously, you have, you have the force brought up, and you have people, just like any religion, you know, people think that they can interpret their own way, even if there is a set way to do it. Um, we we know that all too well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if somebody somebody. I guess takes their own twist to it, you know, um, and and I guess you know I haven't really uh, got to look into the wills that much yet to to really know uh, much about them, but uh, I'm curious to read more about them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we already spoke about how this movie really broke open the idea of the Rebel Alliance and its its different factions within it. Um, the different extremes that those factions are, are willing to go to in the name of the greater good, which is much more in line with reality rather than this sort of, you know, good bad guy fantasy that Star Wars, the first, you know, episode four, A New Hope kind of kind of encapsulated um, in its own way. One thing I think it's interesting. Everyone's now debating like the, the merits of Kylo Ren in the chat room. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, was, I, I got in on that. So. <laughs> um, the. What I what I thought, and I touched on this earlier, the Empire's organizational hierarchy. I thought that was really interesting too, mm -hmm. because we did have a fair amount of understanding from it in Episode Four, at least at the beginning of Episode Four, when with the dissolution of the Senate and Vader sort of showing his position of authority versus those who ran the Death Star, um, sort of the representatives of the Empire as we were uh, introduced to. I always thought that was really interesting. And then in the prequels, we saw how the Empire came to be in a very sort of, you know, Republic format into an Imperial dictator format, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. But to show the inner workings of it, if you never read any of the books, you never would have seen any of that. And this movie really kind of put it forward um, for the viewer. And so I thought that was really kind of cool. What One thing that this movie did for me more than anything else throughout all of it, whether it was the Force, whether it was the characters, whether it was the Empire, whether it was just the story itself and the cinematography, it brought it down to a human level. It, yeah. it just brought everything down to a much more realistic level than any of the other movies even attempted. And I understand that George Lucas always said that this is just a soap opera. And so it makes sense that he wouldn't get into this much human detail. He would try to tell overarching theme type stories. But I kind of dug that this was different. Yeah, um, exactly. With that in mind, can, I, can both of you tell me what you thought was missing or what you didn't like about this movie? Um, let's start with you, Dorian. Well, uh, I don't like I said before. I think the I think the only thing that was missing was the uh, dissolvement of the Senate itself, um, and maybe kind of seeing you know at what point it made the Emperor go, oh okay, now we're our machine's ready, we can start this. Um, but I, I don't know. It, I didn't go into. I I, I wanted to see a, a side story with other people who were fighting this war, so. I didn't actually feel. I think I said this last time we recorded. The only thing that bothers me, and it's trivial, and I got over it instantly, was a lack of a crawl. I thought mm -hmm. Star Wars universe, Star Wars universe deserves it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. they fucking do it in the cartoons, you know. But, um, but other than that, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, no, I really, um, I was, I was really happy with the entire movie. I, I didn't have any issues with it. So, nice. What about you, Cameron? Yeah, my only problem was the crawl. Like, and I hadn't, uh, last time we spoke about this, um, I had 
hadn't quite considered it, but uh, as Dorian said, I mean, it was even in the cartoons and stuff, and it was on the holiday special for fuck's sake. So it's like yeah. if it's <laughs> if it's going to be a part of everything. Although I don't think it was a part of the Ewok movies. Don't quote me on that because it's been a few years since I've seen those. No, you um, know the Clone Wars cartoon. They did like a World War II intro where it was like a voice of like last week on yeah. it, you know, this is yeah, happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you still had at least you know the the one little saying like oh blah 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 yeah. force yeah. and stuff. Um, it's, I mean, at least there was something there. But mm. yeah, I mean that was the only thing that bothered me really. And then, yeah, it's, it's as I'm bitching about it, I'm telling my friend that I'm watching it with, ah, no, no, this makes sense, because this isn't, this isn't a part of that, so shut up. And he's just looking at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, like, that was, I don't know, it, it was immediately remedied with the fact that it's just, what the fuck, they're not doing the crawl, and then, bam, right to going to the planet, like, there is the planet they're going to. Right. Yeah, it, that's just a good movie. Yeah, beautiful and big screen and everything. Um, the crawl surprised me a little bit, but it lets you know that it's not. This is not your standard movie. Yeah. And so I, I, I forgave that. We yeah, all yeah. knew going into it. If you're a Star Wars fan, you knew exactly what this movie was about. Mm. So you'd been following it for a year and a half. So you know, it, for those of us who care, it doesn't matter. Um, one thing that kind of bugged me was the supers telling you what planet it was. I just feel like if you're not going to have a crawl explaining things, why the fuck are you going to have a little planet title showing up on screen? I just... Uh, we could have pieced that together ourselves. I just don't know why you would need that. Yeah, but you could you could easily mistake, uh, you know, Jetta's Tatooine or, you know, right. Jakku or whatever. I mean, yeah, so... right. But that's why you have the dialogue in the show to kind of help explain it. So, you know, I, I, I forgave it because it was different. It was new. But they also didn't carry it through. So Vader's castle didn't tell you where it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was strange. And I caught that too. Like, the first time I saw it, I was like, well, why didn't they say? I mean, yeah. uh, again, Star Wars fans knew. You know, but, mm. you know, it was kind of strange that they didn't add that in there. So Yeah, I just oh, no. all or nothing. Like, if you're going to break rules, then break them and be consistent. If not, don't. But this movie was plagued by reshoots. I mean, there, there are arguments that there was almost 40% of the movie that's been reshot. So there are trailers out there showing of all the pre-trailer, or I'm sorry, pre-movie footage, all the trailers, of all the footage that was not in the actual movie because it was all the first cut yeah. or it was cutting room floor footage. And when Gareth Edwards talked to the people who put together the trailers for TV spots and movie spots, they were like, well, that it was exciting, and it's still in the spirit of your movie, so we used it. And so that would be curious to see uh, when uh, when Blu-rays come out and stuff. If uh, somewhere down the line we'll get a original cut, uh, could be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a very George Lucas thing to do. <laughs> well, uh, George well, Lucas would, would would say that it doesn't exist anymore, even though fans yeah, are out there true. piecing it together. Well, and the um, the National Library has it. Yeah. So, it's there. It exists. Yep. Wing, wing, not judge. Wait, I, I'm sensing here a heist. We could uh, some hijinks here from our our next podcast could be live when we break in uh, the <laughs> national library. Done. <laughs> Let's fucking do this. Road trip. Ask. 
somewhere. Seven. <laughs> like grappling hook. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring some ninjas. Um, it's just cause. All right. So the title of this show is Satanism in Star Wars. And we've talked about this oh, yeah. movie. I, I think it's pretty apparent. We all loved it. Um, how does this, if it does in any way, themes, characters, locations, relate to Satanism? Cameron, what do you think? Of course, you ask me when I'm taking a drink. Um, <laughs> really, aside from obviously like Vader, because whatever, the Vader's in a league of his own. Um, it just uh, really Tarkin. Um, I mean, we all know that he's a great tacticianer. He's, I mean, yeah. he's an Imperial moth for a reason. Um, but he really showed being able to take control of the situation and keeping his cool about it. Like, it was just... It was amazing just to watch how he took over everything. It's like, yeah. well, I'm, I'm gonna stand right here and help, and ah, it's mine. <laughs> Capitalizing the situation. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Dorian, anything satanic about this movie to you? Well, you know, the villains are are always the ones that uh, you know, kind of take that stance. But I I mm. think that one thing that we've tried to discuss before in the past of other previous characters and stuff is um, uh, that so many of these characters are, are even our heroes are kind of what we call you know, we'd say you know the unlikely heroes where they're kind of would rather just do their own thing like let me be me I don't care about your war I don't care, you know I mean yeah. it's kind of like that except that you know there's a start to an advantage to her is getting to see her father again and that's you know mm -hmm. she cares about you know, but I think also you get to, a, a, you know, some of these characters, obviously they develop to a point where uh, they just go, well, you know, we're toast anyway. And, you know, Satanists would probably go, I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to go another another universe somewhere or something. But, um, yeah. um, but you know, I, I, I think that we see a lot of these characters where they're kind of doing what's best for them. But, uh, I, you know, I like what Cameron was saying, you know, about Tarkin especially is, is just uh, having that patience to just, to just wait and watch for the perfect moment to say, yeah. you know, now that uh, now that I know that this is going to work out, I'm going to. <laughs> I thought that was a great example, actually. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know for me, and it didn't really strike me until this discussion, but Cassian Andor, man, like that character because it showed the complexity of him. One thing that I always loved. Uh, Whenever you think about a Satanist is that, you know, well, I, I think blanket statement, when people think about a Satanist, they think, oh, it's the alien elite. This is, you know, the, the highest embodiment of human life. They're always in control of everything. And any Satanist can tell you that that is not true at all. We are, <laughs> we are the master of our intention and often the victim of our own realities. Um, and what makes us authoritative is that we learn from those mistakes and that we continually try to improve and try to have mastery over our own life. Um, but there's that frailty there, that realization of self, that, that realization of limits of control that reality forces on us. Um, Cassian's character embodied that for me. He, yep. he had these moments where he would do horrible things for his own self-interest. 
the opening introductory sequence yeah. was him murdering yeah. a guy because if he let the guy live, it would have told him about the Rebel Alliance and told him about the information that he had just gleaned from the dude. Exactly. So he was forced in that moment to take care of it. Um, no, I'm not saying Satan should kill people. Symbolically, yeah, but not, not all the time. Um, <laughs> but you should. <laughs> no, don't kill anyone, people. Please, I don't Joking. Um, but then later, when he was given the opportunity to murder Galen Erso, he was given orders to kill mm -hmm. Galen. Yeah. He didn't do it. He yeah. chose not to. And it, it, it was that decision that flew in the face of the reality that was handed to him that I realized that this is a fully-fledged character. This isn't just a one-dimensional uh, story. This is someone that he has depth and that's exciting to me um that's satanic to me the depth of character sometimes we act against our own self-interest because of of uh, uh it could just be initial reaction it could be a hunch a feeling often i find that if i listen to my hunches if i listen to my uh sort of my internal clock i'll come out clean on the other side um, and that's kind of what he did in this movie, and I, I respected that. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting, and, and that's what made it satanic for me, is that you, you got to see characters fully-fledged that were not one-dimensional. Um, kind of cool. Yeah, very much. Um, all right, gentlemen, um, that's it for the discussion of Rogue One. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, if you're a fan of Star Wars, I highly recommend it. I think we all do collectively. Um, I'm definitely going to be picking it up in whatever form it takes, probably digitally and physically when it's released. And hopefully there's some kick-ass extras. Um, I'll probably go see are... this one more time. Yeah, yeah. And K2SO, yes, dudes. That dude was bad. <laughs> he was satanic. Fuck yeah. He was awesome. <laughs> I still love it when he smacks Cassian. And be yeah. quiet or there's a fresh one waiting for you. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, uh. Okay, so we are we are working on another show together, um, and we've even agreed on a name that I can never, ever, ever remember. Um, do any of you remember that name that we were working on? Uh, we were going with, was it like the Brotherhood of the Scruffy-looking Nerf Herders or something like that? <laughs> the Infernal no, uh, Brotherhood of the Scruffy-looking Nerf or scruffy looking Nerf Herders. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who's scruffy-looking? Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I dig it. I, uh, <laughs> I'm down 100%. So the three of us are collectively working on something else that we want to do together. I've had way too much fun in these five specials yeah. and just in our personal interactions to not do something with these two gentlemen. Um, I, this is great. I love it. Right so itself. Yeah. It really does. So uh, if, if Dorian can forgive me for sending him grotesque hermaphrodite photos via texts, then... <laughs> I'm afraid of what Cameron's going to send now, so... Yeah. I'll be nice, I'll be nice. I'll save that for when I meet you face-to-face, -face, just... <laughs> just whip it out? Yep. Yeah. I'll shake your hand nice and shit out. Nice. All right. Um, and for everyone watching, that's going to do it for this Nine Cents uh, podcast, period. <laughs> like, that's it. it. This is the last of the last. The audio synced up on this one. We're not redoing it again. This is it. <laughs> uh, we do hope you enjoyed it. You can always check out the Nine Cents Podcast archives at NineCentsPodcast.com and relive the five years of weekly satanic content 
that existed in that time. Uh, thank you all for joining us on this expanded Star Wars and Satanism edition. Uh, this is the fifth episode, so check out the previous four where the three of us converse and uh, wax intellectually about Satanism and characters and locations and themes of Star Wars, and it's actually pretty goddamn good stuff, if I do say so myself. Um, and I hope you're going to all consider joining us on our next endeavor, the Infernal Order of the Scruffy Looking Infernals or something like that. <laughs> there you go. Be good. Something like that. Maybe we'll do an anagram. Close we'll enough. have a cool logo and all that shit. So yeah. Hell yeah. It'll be better. It'll be boss. Cameron will be wearing the gold bikini. You're damn straight I will. <laughs> if it's video, I'm going to fucking make one. Just because you said that. <laughs> um, all right, of course. outfit. Just saying. <laughs> Oh boy. If you guys want to learn more about Satanism, Satanism, check out churchofsatan.com. If you want to learn about more about Star Wars, starwars.com. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, my name is Adam Campbell, your hostess with the mostest. And being joined by, gentlemen, Dorian Gray, Cameron John. Cameron John. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Until we can chat again, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.